Let's bring in Andy Brickley, Nesson analyst, our Bruins analyst for Nesson. Andy, do you want to be on The Bachelor? <laughs> I haven't been one of those in about 30 years. <laughs> Would you if you were single? Uh, <laughs> Although that doesn't rule it out in the future, does it? There yeah. you go. Keeps you in the mix. Hey, Brick, uh, quite a game the other night. Obviously, the Bruins uh, trying to make it 13 straight. They don't accomplish that with the shootout. But overall, the game, kind of Montreal does what Montreal does. And we've seen this before. And I think a lot of people just chalked it up as a regular season game. It's okay. The lack of discipline. But we like to think that in the future, right, you get in a postseason, that would not happen. What was your take of the game the other night? Well, first I'll say that I actually like the way the Bruins played. I like the way they responded. When you go back to the first five, six minutes of that first period, the low hip check, by uh, which was a good hit, by the way, by Yemelin on Lucic. You know, I'd rather see Yemelin at that size, you know, stand shoulder to shoulder and make contact, but uh, he's not going to win that battle, so he opts for the, for the effective hip check. But that game could have really gotten away from Boston at that point. Uh, yeah, there was some undisciplined play by the Bruins, uh, retaliatory in nature uh, throughout the course of the hockey game. But if there was ever a game on the schedule, that was the time to do it. I think it helps send a little bit of a subtle message, uh, but still try to play the game and play the game to win, which I thought they did. And it wasn't about the streak. It was about continuing to play the right way, play to their identity. But if you're going to play Montreal in a seven-game series, I think part of that message was you can't beat us. You cannot beat us in a long series because we will just wear you down. And, and because the game gets decided in the shootout, uh, at even strength, the Bruins were the five better team. Andy, is this a strategy, though, that you can see other teams trying to employ going up against the Bruins in the playoffs? No doubt, but I don't know if they have the same makeup, other teams, that is, uh, that the Montreal Canadiens have. Their game plan, and, you know, I was joking, half-joking, half I guess, post-game with a couple of people saying, you know, if you were Brian Gionta, who I think is a pretty stand-up guy at his size, to play the way that he's played for as long as he has, to be the captain of that Montreal team, and to have to sit in that locker room and know that your game plan is going to be the way that the Canadians play, that would just drive me nuts. Is there is there any chance that this the loss uh, from the Canadiens does that by any way push them into the Blackhawks? Do they do they lose twice because of the the tough loss that they had to Bruins? Do they bring this into the Blackhawks? I mean, what what kind of memory does this does this team have? The one thing the Bruins are very good at is uh, compartmentalization. You know, they, you know, you hear it all the time, just one game at a time and so on. But they're looking big picture and given the position that they put themselves in, and that's a favorable one. You know, where they are in the division, where they are in the conference, what their goals are, what they want to accomplish between now and the end of the regular season, the last game of the year in New Jersey. Uh, and it's really all about getting prepared for the postseason. So results don't take on as great a meaning as they normally would. But this is a Chicago team that every player that was on the Bruins a year ago that lost in dramatic fashion in Game 6, they want to play in this game, as they much wanted to play against Montreal. I was curious because we're at that point in the season where you've got to start resting guys. And that means sitting guys out that are key players. Uh, and as a player, you looked at Montreal, and it would have been an easy sit-down for some guys, or one or two, because the long road trip, the three different time zones, uh, the four games and six nights, uh, you know, but it was Montreal and the Bruins rolled out there, basically they're, they're 18. And I think that's the mentality that the players have right now. Again, it's not so much about winning. It's about playing the right way. If you get the win because you played the right way, that is the expectation in the locker room. But I think once we get beyond tomorrow night, now you'll see a little bit more 
of that decision-making by the coaching staff to give some guys some breathers. You know, Brick, I think we've obviously talked about the overtime rules and shootout rules in the past, and I think the NHL kind of acknowledges that it's maybe not the best way to determine it because they don't do it in the postseason, right? But they do it in the regular season because there's so many games. Is with the long uh, the long line change, you know, that they're kind of instituting changing ends in the ice, is that enough, or do you want to see another five minutes of overtime hockey? If you're going to incorporate, uh, you know, playing – as if it's a fourth period and you play the entire overtime where it's a long change, then you can keep it at five minutes in order to get to the shootout because it's designed to, to really keep that window nice and tight, not only for television, but for the players and expending energy because especially at this time, Lou, there are just so many three-point games. If you're going to, if you're going to uh, you know, extend the overtime to ten minutes, uh, then you can do it almost like a mini game where, where you try to divide it up as best you can, where it's uh, a two to one ratio of incorporating that long change. But I like the idea. You know, you guys were talking, I was listening the first hour talking about the PAT and football. And, and I think Chris mentioned the concept about uh, just eliminating the kick altogether and awarding seven points for the touchdown. If you go for the two and you get it, it's eight. If you don't, it's six. And those kinds of conversations. And I heard the soundbite from, uh, from Bill Belichick. And, I got to tell you, in 2004, 2005, when we had a lockout, Brendan Shanahan, who now works for the league, he called together about 30 people, all different walks of life, uh, GMs, coaches, former GMs, former coaches, referees, uh, producers of television, uh, analysts that played the game at the NHL level, all walks of life, players, goalies, forwards, defensive. And we had this big summit in Toronto. And as boring as it might seem when you listen to Bill Belichick, those are great rooms to be in because the, the, the concepts that are brought out and the thinking outside the box and, and what's most important, how to prioritize what you're trying to get when you're trying to make rules changes, I find it fascinating. Talking to Andy Brickley, Bruins analyst for Nesson. Uh, Andy, tell the truth here. No way Dennis Seidenberg comes back. <laughs> <laughs> you don't come back from an ACL injury like five that. I'm sorry. Months. You don't do it in five months. Well, uh, I'm of that mind myself. Um, I've experienced it. You know, I've had the ACL, MCL, total reconstruction on both knees. Uh, I know the timetable that I experienced, but that was several years ago, and I probably wasn't as fit and as strong as Dennis Seidenberg. So when you have your GM saying that uh, he's not ruling it out, you know, it kind of creeps in a little bit into your thinking, but uh, I- I'm along the same lines as you. And then you got to consider you haven't played in such a long stretch of time and when you come back, now you're in the conference final or the final at the earliest. So uh, certainly not in the game plan for me, and uh, it's not something that I would have a game plan for. Wouldn't you assume that's a huge risk to a guy's future if he's going to go out there, and even if he is technically healed, there is simply no way that there's going to be enough strength in that knee to be legitimately healthy, to be 100%. I mean, how, is, the, is that a variable in all this, you know, risking the future next season with this guy? It's it's just uh, I'm not sure what the motivation for the conversation is. Uh, again, it, to me, it's just it's not a possibility. It's not going to happen. I, I remember I was playing at the tail end of my career, and I was playing in the old IHL and, and winding down on the back nine and, and enjoying the end of my playing days. And and the whole Camp Neely comeback was uh, was circulating here in Boston, and obviously people know that I played with Cam and was friendly with him. And, you know what do you what do you what is your opinion, Brick, of that? I'm saying it's just not going to happen. You know, I, I've seen this guy. I know what he's done. I saw when he did come back and then forced to be retired. And it's just I hate to be you know 
Debbie Downer, but it's, I just didn't see it happening. And that's kind of how I feel about Seidenberg, that it's just not going to happen this year. All right, so the Bruins hosting the Blackhawks tomorrow night. What's the one thing you're looking for uh, in this game? Uh, how the Bruins play, basically. Uh, you know, that, that I, I, the phrase I use, and Mark Reck used it all the time, who was one of my favorite Bruins, uh, especially postseason, was playing the game the right way. And that means, you know, no shortcuts, being physical, uh, defense-first attitude, turn defense into offense, play with your structure, and, and play with some emotion. And I, and I don't doubt that the emotion will be there. But don't get undisciplined. Uh, maybe you have a, settle, a score to settle from a year ago in the postseason, but do it the right way. And, uh, because right now the Bruins really don't have anything to gain other than bragging rights against the Blackhawks team. You know, Brick, the, earlier this week we, we had a discussion, and we had LB in here as well, and we continued the next day about the seventh uh, seventh player award for the Bruins. And uh, some similar names came up. I'm just curious, what would your, your top three be, and who would you have as the winner of the seventh player award? Well, I think there's a number of good choices. Uh, you know, when I think about the seventh player award, the essence of the origin of the award, you know, like, when I think about seven-player award winners, the guys that kind of come to my mind immediately, you know, once you get outside the real big-name guys, you start thinking like a Gary Doak. And when I start thinking that way, I immediately think of a guy, you know, like, I don't know, Kevin Miller, a guy that wasn't even on the radar that's playing more minutes than anybody really right now on the back end when they're trying to, when they're trying to rest Char and, and give Boychuk a chance to catch his breath and get healthy. So uh, to me, that's a, that's a name that jumps out. If you want Tuka Rash to play somewhere between 55 and 60 games, then you need a quality backup that Chad Johnson's grown into that. I think that's worthy of consideration. But there are a number of guys. Riley Smith came out of nowhere to a lot of people, Bruins fans. I think Bruins management had an idea how good he could be. He would be an excellent choice, but there are a number of them. You know, it's interesting because LB left the same guy off that you did, and that was Carl Soderberg. Okay. Yeah, I'm just because I mean, did you, <laughs> did you did you see that coming? Because I think a lot of people just didn't yeah, really think, know much I about his it. Game is, I think his game has improved, especially when they moved him to center, and he's he's in the process of helping create a third line that gives you what the Bruins had in in 11 when they had a mismatch when you matched up third line against third line, a third line against third deep pair. Uh, I'm not 100 percent convinced that it's where it needs to be. If you want to make, uh, you know, if you want to be a Stanley Cup champion, but he's been real good, no doubt about it. He's he's helped elevate that third line, but he would be, you know, choice three or four when, uh, you know, when you're asking me my opinion. Great stuff, Andy. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow night and uh, safe travels on this road trip. Okay, good to talk to you, boys. Hi, Brick. That's Andy Brickley.